we are very excited to welcome Alan's son. Uh, yes. Let, let, let me say something about him before he comes up. Because uh, in, your, in your bulletin it says Marcus. We're going to have Marcus next week. But Alan, uh, it's so special to have Alan here. As I mentioned, Alan is working with InterVarsity in the San Diego area. Uh, Alan grew up at the Home of Christ Church, so that, that in and of itself is very special. I think as a church, we, we're very excited to see that uh, Alan is, is someone from here and knows our culture and knows uh, the struggles that we as a church go through, and yet through it all, he is where he is. Uh, he is married to Anna, has two lovely children. Um, oh, that's still on the timer. Whoops. So, uh, but yeah, why don't you welcome Alan and uh, yeah, welcome him with me. Appreciate that. Well, good morning. Uh, it's good to be here. Uh, let's see if this thing's. If I got myself plugged in here, I think I'm okay. Can you hear me? Okay. All right, great. It's good to be here this morning. Uh, I actually uh, failed my first uh, driver's test, so um, that that bio is uh, is funny, and I appreciate that. Pastor Dean had that in there. Um, just being honest, you know, as I start and as I share. Um, well. It's unexpected, so it's, um, whoops, sorry, um, unex- unexpected to be here this morning because um, obviously I'm not uh, Marcus Givens, and uh, I'm thankful for uh, the church leadership to allow this uh, switch up uh, last minute, but uh, I flew up here uh, last night, and I'm so excited to bring God's word because even in the unexpected times, I feel like the Lord has something for us, amen? Um, I want to say that I am entering into my 14th year as a campus staff minister with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. So 14 years. I did not expect to be here for 14 years. I don't know many of my friends who have been in a job for 14 years. And so it's really unique to see that uh, just for myself when I reflect on that. I'm like, wow, I've been here for so long. I did not expect that. Uh, one of the things that I love about InterVarsity, it's the largest um, and oldest Christian organization working with college and universities from the East Coast to the West Coast. And there are many... Um, campus ministries uh, in the college and universities, and so I'm glad that um, I got involved in one because I remember college being a very influential time. So for some of us, college might be far away in the past. For some of us, college might be in the near future. And what I just want to say is that there's a lot of choices that happen on the college campus. And so I was thankful just to meet uh, some campus ministries that could help me in my spiritual nomadic life uh, as I uh, graduated from high school. Um, one of the things that uh, I wanted to say, too, is that it, it's surprising when God calls us into something, but it's even more surprising to know that, that God has always mapped out what he has for us. And I think, for me, I had to pay attention to campus ministry. As, as, we, as Pastor Dean was talking about, this is Missions Month, and I, I did not expect myself to be a missionary, let alone um, doing what I'm doing now. Uh, in a nonprofit fundraising kind of situation. Uh, it was a stretch for me coming out of a, a corporate job. But I had to pay attention to my passion, and I had to pay attention to my strengths, and then what my friends and family were telling me. And so I know it's not for everyone, but I'm going to express a little bit about why that Acts 1-8 passage is so important for us today, too. But before I get there, uh, I want to say that, friends, did you know there's 4,948 campuses in the United States. That's shocking to me, that there are so many college and university campuses in the United States. Now, that is 
uh, a number for schools that are over about 2,000 in size. Uh, so it's not counting even the technical schools uh, that are out there in the United States. But this is according to everycampus.us. But what's interesting is if we do some math here, if we take a moment to do some math, about 20,000 on average students per campus, we are looking at about 98 million students that are enrolled. That's a whole lot of students. And just for comparison, that is the entire population of both California, Texas, and New York combined. If we just look at the amount of students. Now, that's also the, larger than the whole country of Germany. So there are 83 million uh, people in, living in the whole country of Germany. We have more college students that are enrolled in the United States than a whole country. Now that's amazing. I, I want to just put that out there because I want to say that about 77% of our nation's college campuses do not have a community of Christians. They don't have anyone sharing the hope of Jesus and the life of freedom from fear and anxiety. And we are looking at this large group of students and we have to ask the question, who will go? Who will speak to these students? So last year, many nonprofit Christian organizations like InterVarsity, Campus Crusade, um, Navigators, other Christian orgs came together to say, this is a tragedy. We want to see every college campus in the United States have a Christian presence. And so it began a long journey of bringing ministries together and creating a vision. And we call this the 2030 vision that we have signed on to, to say that by 2030, we want to see every college and university campus have a Christian presence. So that 4,900, uh, that, that number that we can see, 948, that number we can see every uh, campus have a Christian presence. And that's vital to, um, I think, my children growing up and going to a college and, and experiencing Jesus. And it's vital for the people that we welcome into the workplace. And so it's the hope that we begin gospel movements centered with students' lives so that we can see life transformation. And I want to show a quick video of what that actually looks like today. I can describe it, but I thought maybe I'd show it, and then you can all uh, get a bit better picture of that and the importance of it. Some people think college is a place you go to lose your faith. They think that he, and she, and they, are going to lead me away from Jesus. Others told me not to spend too much time here, or here, or even here, to make sure that I have plenty of time to spend here, and here, so that I can go, well, anywhere I want in the future. But if we believe that God is everywhere, then that means he's already at work here, and here, and here. It means he cares about her messed up family and has compassion for his anxiety. He understands the pressure that keeps them up at night and the loneliness he feels every day. It means God has a plan not just for my future after college, but for my time in college, as well as his time in college. 
and hers, and his, and theirs. That makes this the perfect place to study scripture deeply, to experience authentic community, and to make my faith my own. It means that when I share about the hope I have in Jesus here, he'll have an opportunity to meet Jesus. And so will she. And them. And them too. Imagine how God could use us there. And there. And there. Because of how he's transformed us here. That's why I'm here. Why is God sending you to college? So that is a snapshot of the value of being and seeing uh, either the college campus as a mission field. And when I, I believe this is that when God uh, challenges you, it's always an invitation. That God is a generous God, but he's also uh, not going to force something upon you. And for me, I've been invited to participate in what God's doing as I see each passing generation go through the college campus doors. And I get to bear witness to some of the awesome works of Jesus. And I'm going to share some of those stories later, but God is moving. I just came back from two weeks of intensive outreach at UCSD, and uh, it, I, I saw God move in so many new ways. Unexpected, again, the unexpected moments with God. Without the support of Home of Christ, I don't think I would be doing what I, I'm doing today. And I, I, I am blessed to be here, but I'm blessed to be sent as a missionary from Home of Christ. And I get to be at UC San Diego and also uh, San Diego uh, as the city. Um, it has roughly 250,000 college students. And what's interesting is that the past seven years, we have seen 2,500 college students say yes to Jesus through that ministry. And that's an amazing number. I am grateful for that, but it's also bittersweet. Because in the past seven years, if we do the math there, that's only 357 students per year saying yes to Jesus. And I think that's a great loss because that's less than 1% of the student population in San Diego. And we think about the Bay Area. We think about the, student, the college students here. And we think about the college students, like I mentioned, the, the, the millions of students who need to hear that there is a God who frees them from anxiety, depression, addiction, fears. That there is a good God and his name is Jesus that brings freedom from sin and gives us hope. And so, for me, understanding that Jesus, when, when we sing about the kingdom of heaven, when we sing about revival coming, I think about the Lord saying, you are all valuable. My children need to hear my word. And so there's a passage I want to share with you all that has been just haunting me these past two weeks while I've been sharing about doing outreach on the college campus. It's just stuck with me as I've been sharing about how good God is. And it's from Matthew 13. And let me read this to you all. Matthew 13, verse 44 to 46. It says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he finds one of great value, he went away, sold everything he had, and bought it. 
I love this passage. It's stories like this in Matthew 13 that remind us that there's an expectancy and there's an urgency. There's an expectancy and urgency to find what is truly worth it in our lives. At the end of the day, we have to allow ourselves to be challenged by God. Here is invitation into mission. This is a story that you are that pearl of great price. You and I are that, are that treasure that, that the Lord sees us in this way. But I think the challenge goes further than that, is to see those in our classroom, in our workplace, those around us, as that treasure, as a pearl of great price. I think sometimes I don't see uh, that person next to me sitting on that bus or um, you know, in that car next to me as a pearl of great price. But what's interesting is that God, through his lens, sees that today. So how did I end up here? Missionary, going to the college campus, wasn't planned. That was not my idea. I did not major in uh, campus ministry. They didn't have that in college. Um, I literally grew up in Home of Christ. Uh, I was at Fourth Home of Christ since I was 12 years old. I heard rumors back then that we were buying a new church building, and we're going to name it Fifth Home of Christ. And so it was very innovative, four, five, and then go to the next. Um, I became a believer because my parents forced me to uh, go to church with them. And I uh, couldn't drive, so, you know, I was stuck going with them to, uh, to these uh, church gatherings. But I was so bored. Um, and I went, and I didn't expect the Lord to meet me. And so around that age, I went to a, a Home of Christ family retreat. And I was surprised that I met Jesus there. It was this community here, this church here, that was so welcoming to me, that spoke encouraging words to me. And as a junior higher that moment, it was just needed. I needed that. And I remember being there, and I remember a call to respond to God. And I gave my life to Jesus. And so my family moved to Fifth Home of Christ that following year. And um, the fun fact is, as this church was being renovated and built, um, my good friend Sean and I, we, we etched our names in the cement in the front of the church, and I went to go look, but it's not there anymore. But um, uh, I remember just being part of this church migration and this start of something new and exciting. And so I found community here. This was home for me. I found friendships that lasted uh, even today. I still call my friends, um, and I still I, I have a monthly call uh, with some of my friends from youth group. Uh, and I remember how important that this church was. I also remember being in that awkward phase of junior high school where I, I didn't know many people, and I felt, um, I, I just felt I couldn't connect with very many people. But this church welcomed me, and I remember um, the youth pastor welcomed me, and I remember meeting different people. Um, I also remember being here, and, and, and I met my wife, Anna. Uh, she didn't go to this church, but she would visit youth group at times too. And it was just, it, it's just interesting that you can see God's fingerprints throughout my time here. And, and I'm sure that the Lord is doing the same for you today, wherever you're coming from. That the Lord has you here at this church for a reason and for a purpose. Like many of you, I went to Kennedy Junior High School, and then I went to uh, Monta Vista, um, 
and like many of you, both academics and Asian American culture, uh, that permeated my whole life. But maybe unlike many of you, um, I experienced a deep traumatic loss um, in high school. Uh, at the age of 16, my father passed away from cancer. And my dad was involved. He, at this church, he was a, a deacon here. Uh, uh, he he um, loved this church. And it, it was a really difficult moment in my life that I was trying to figure out, what is God doing? But then I saw God doing something in the hands and feet of this church, bringing us food, bringing us meals, in the times that we were in the hospital, and praying for us. And I remember um, different uh, friends here coming and singing worship songs uh, over us. And that helped me actually get through that really difficult stage of life. It was this church and it was this people that helped me. And in that moment, the course of my life changed in some ways. I decided then I want to do cancer research. I want to be a biologist. This is important, that we need to find a cure for cancer. And so I dedicated my life to that. And so I majored in molecular biology at UCSD. And my goal was work in the lab, find a cure for cancer. Little did I know I would be challenged by Jesus' invitation, his calling into full-time ministry shortly after graduation. I think I have a picture. Oh, this picture of my dad and and uh, and me when I was younger. And then that's a picture of my son. I, I have two kids, Daniel and Elena. Uh, Daniel's middle name is uh, Kai. That's my my father's name. And uh, I just like this picture because my son looks like me. Uh, and then I'm like, wow, it's like you're like a splitting image of me. So it's uh, it's so cool to see that. Um, but uh, I want to share this um, other picture is from 2006 when I worked in the lab. So I got to achieve that. That was something I wanted to do. Graduate, UCSD, biology, um, go fight uh, um, you know, the, the disease of cancer. And I loved my time there. But there was something unique about my time there, too, is that I remember from my, my times at UCSD with my campus ministry, I remember how they taught me, be a witness. Go to the place that you're called to, but be a witness there. And so I found myself surprisingly having prayer meetings at work. Uh, during lunch breaks, I would bring the PhDs, uh, the scientists, and also the assembly line workers together, and we, I'd say, let's pray together. I remember leading a, a co-worker and a friend to faith, um, just being at the place I'm at, just telling them about Jesus and Jesus' effect in my life. And so slowly and surely, I was doing some things that were ministry-related at a secular corporation. And I loved my time there, but I began thinking, well, is this my calling? And I remember vividly that I had a call from one of my staff workers, uh, one of the campus ministers at that time, uh, and he called me and said, Alan, you know, um, how are you doing? And, and we were just connecting. He said, you know, we're always hiring here. And he said, you know, one of the things is uh, I want you to think about would you rather spend a year working on a science project or would you rather spend a year working with a student? You know, talking to them about Jesus. In my heart, in my heart right away, I was like, yeah, the student and Jesus. But I didn't want to say that. So I said, I don't know. Like, that was my response. Instead, I said, I don't know. Like, maybe it's, I love science, and it could be this, and I don't know. And so I didn't want to give myself away and, and say I really did want to serve God in this way. But I also felt the tension in my own heart about where was I really called to. And I had to weigh those out. I had to weigh out the passions that I had, and I had to weigh out uh, what my friends were telling me my strengths were. 
But friends, isn't it so true that when we get the invitation, just like I was saying earlier, when God gives us an invitation, sometimes it's fear that can hold us back from going to the deeper waters that God has for us. I like to stay in the shallow water because it's safe. I know my future. I'm getting paid twice a month. I know I don't have to fundraise. I know that there's good found in being a biologist. I know that there are things in safety that I can find in the shallow waters. But then there's a voice that's calling me. Come out to the deeper waters. Come experience something you never even would imagine for your life. Right? There's something that was calling me. And that was God in that moment. And so as I worked that out, I was trying to understand, Lord, I was praying in, in, in the lab. I remember praying. I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And I remember turning to Scripture in that time. And I remember that the scripture passage that just wrecked me, that still does to this day, is Luke chapter 5. And I want to read that to you all because this passage is it's just so integral to how God uh, calls us into deeper waters. So it says, One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the boat, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deeper water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. This passage wrecked me because it stuck with me. It reminded me this value of this value of the people. The pearl of great price, it was the same value that was being conveyed to me in this passage. Now let me explain why that is. Because in this passage we have these fishermen whose job is fishing, whose role is just to fish and get those fish, catch nothing all night. Frustrated from a full night of fishing, we see Jesus come along and all of a sudden wreck their lives and say, look, there's something of more value. Because For Simon Peter, he won the lottery of fish. I view this passage as he can now feed his family. He can now feed his whole community. Two boatfuls that they began to sink is what scriptures say. Why is he so down? Why is he not happy about this moment? And I think in all of Simon's life, he's never met someone like Jesus. And in all Simon's life, he's never had this experience like this before where he finally sees the value of fish go to zero in his life now. 
the value of fish has been so high for him. It's going to feed his family. It's going to feed his community. It's going to be his way into, a, a, I don't know, a fishing empire. But Jesus wrecks the industry. If there's someone like Jesus exists that could make fish appear out of nowhere, then what is fishing? You, can start, you begin to deconstruct your whole idea of what is the purpose of this. What's the value? And Jesus is putting value now in people and saying, look, Simon Peter, I have thousands of people or fish for him that are uncaught, that need to be caught, that need to know the freedom from sin, the life of joy that I can bring. And that's Jesus' word for us here. What I, I hope, um, or what I was hoping, is that Jesus would say to me, Alan, like, stay in your biotech job and do this. I think what invitation I got was, Alan, will you fish for people? Will you see the ocean that exists there? To be in the business of life transformation, to have front row seats to what God's doing. This last week, I, I mentioned I was doing um, campus outreach. And this uh, last two weeks, we're out there, and I'm meeting various students. And uh, one of the blessings of being out there is having that front row seat in what God's doing. And so we set out a table with some flyers and a big banner, and we tell people, hey, come and, and experience God. Uh, see community, uh, get involved, and we, I, I see the sea of people. It literally feels like that. At UCSD, everyone's so busy. The focus is academics. Many people are uh, there because um, they've been uh, just working hard all their lives, and it used to not be that way. As an alumni of UCSD, I remember going uh, to campus, and people would stop in the middle of our main walkway, and they'd talk to each other. But this last week, as I told students, it was like an ocean of people just going in one direction with their classes, and no one would stop. They were just had their had their uh, AirPods in. They were just very focused, going to class, and uh, we would just tell people, "Hey, come check us out." And we kind of become the the stone in the river where it starts parting. And what's interesting is that um, I met a student. His name was Noah. He came by, and he was excited. He's like, "What's this? What's going on?" And I told them, hey, we're in varsity. We're here to be on campus uh, to, to share about the love of Jesus. And he said, oh, that's cool. Tell me about uh, what do you guys do. Are you guys a, a sports group? And like, no, we have InterVarsity as a name, but we're not a sports group. <laughs> but you can still come. It's okay. Uh, we do like playing sports. Um, and so he was asking more questions. And I said, hey, would love for you to sign up. Would love for you to get connected. And uh, he seemed like he was in a rush. And I said, um, you know, I would love to connect with you. And so this was last week. And um, I didn't think much of it. Uh, he mentioned he went to a, a, a Christian high school, but he wasn't really Christian. And so, you know, I thought about that for like a second, but then um, he left. And, and then I remember, hey, someone from my church, uh, their son goes to that high school too. And so that following Sunday, uh, this is just last Sunday, I went and talked to um, this mom, and she was saying, I can't believe you met Noah because my best friend, um, that's, that's his mom, and I've known her for a long time, and she's been praying every day for him to get involved in the Christian community. And he's walked away from his faith, but it's amazing. It's a miracle that he came up and talked to you all. There's something about that. There's something about that story about not being an accident, 
about where you go and what you do, watching and being sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is doing. And so that, that's one example. Another example, I, I have two more stories I want to share about just how God is just moving and is alive and real on the college campus. Another one's a story about a, a woman named Cassie. That's a great picture. I, before I share about Cassie's story, this is from Heichi. He's, a, he's an Asian artist, and he does uh, different uh, paintings on uh, scripture. And so that's uh, uh, the one of Luke 5. But um, I want to show a picture of Cassie. This is Cassie. Uh, I met Cassie this last week, and she's a freshman at UCSD. And one of the cool things about Cassie is that uh, we weren't supposed to meet. I was setting up for our, our group on uh, Wednesday, and I literally forgot something in my car on the other side of campus. I went to the other side of campus, and uh, I bumped into Cassie. She actually was asking me, like, hey, uh, I'm looking for directions. I'm looking for this place called InterVarsity. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's kind of strange. Like, I'm, yeah, I work for InterVarsity, and uh, you can just come along with me. I, I wish at that moment I had gone back and said, drop your nets. Come, follow me. Like, I wish I'd said something, like, really Jesus-like, but I, I didn't. Um, I just said, come follow me. Like, check it out. And the crazy thing is that Cassie, for her, she said she was looking for a group, but also she said um, that she heard about our group um, through her youth group, but then um, she couldn't find us. And her roommate actually found one of our flyers on the ground, picked it up, and brought it to her. And so I told Cassie, I said, hey, I think God wants you to like, get involved here, be here at least. And there's something amazing about this whole story. So we, we said, we got to take this picture. We got to like, say, God is so good, and he's still working. Um, the last story I want to share is... Um, from our event this last week, and I remember texting Pastor Dean about this, and we had an event last week, and uh, this, this two, sorry, a few days ago, and um, I, was, I was giving a talk talking about how God loves the ca college campus, and much like this one, and I was talking about how God moves on the college campus, and after my talk, we had some students that were helping clean up, um, and um, as we were cleaning up, um, I remember seeing this one student, and uh, I didn't know him. I never met him before. And he was hanging around, and he was just helping us clean up. And so as I connected with the different students, uh, at the end he was saying, hey, can anyone give me a ride back to my dorm? And, and I said, oh, yeah, I can. Um, like, I, I can uh, drive you over. And so uh, as we're talking uh, and as we connect, uh, I'm driving him over, and he's talking about needing to find a, a Christian fellowship, a community. So I said, I'm still looking. I'm looking for a place. Um, and I, I was expressing to him my testimony, my story about growing up uh, in the church and things like that. And I said, oh, I went to Home of Christ. And he's like, wait, I'm from Home of Christ. And I said, no way. And I was like, that's crazy. He's like, yeah, I grew up in Home of Christ. And I was like, that's so crazy. And so I was like, and I, I didn't even know that. Like, I, Pastor Gene didn't even give me your information. I didn't even know that. Like, and it was so cool to see that out of all the students in that whole uh, campus of UCSD, I bump into him, and his name's Vincent Liu, and he's like, yeah, I know Pastor Yuji, and I know all these people, and so it's, it was crazy to see that there's, um, that God works in these unique ways, that he's bringing people together in this way, and I said, well, maybe God has you here for a reason, for a purpose, that you're not here by accident. I'll close with this, 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 um, the stuff that there are three questions I always ask. And this can translate both in the workplace and it can translate on the college campus and it can translate in any, any context, actually, which is um, I love asking people, what brought you here? Just like Home of Christ. What brought you to Home of Christ? Could have been your parents forced you, like me. It could have been um, someone invited you. 
And I asked that on the college campus, what brought you here? But I asked the second question too, which is, why did God bring you here? Now, 99% of people I ask this question to say, I don't know. And I said, that's okay, because that's part of the journey of understanding God's calling. And I asked the other question too, is what do you think God is doing here? What do you think God is doing here at Home of Christ? We have to ask this question because it's about God's movement, and we are participants in God's movement. The bonus question I ask is, how is God using you to accomplish what he is doing here? Now, if if they're followers of Jesus, I want to challenge those of us who are followers of Jesus into understanding, how does God want me to participate in what he is doing here and now for his kingdom? When we sing about kingdom, when we sing about revival, how do we understand that God is on the move here? Acts 1.8, we're all witnesses. God has called us to be witnesses. The Matthew 13 passage that just haunts me we have a treasure, and God views us as treasure. We are a pearl of great price. Do we see those around us in our classrooms, at work, as that pearl of great price, the way that God sees us? Do we sell a whole field to say, you, friend, need to know the loving embrace of Jesus, the freedom from sin, the hope of Jesus? The reason why Jesus died on the cross for our sins was because of his love for us and his love for those around us. It's not just an individual love. It's for the whole world. And so my question for us this morning is, what does it mean to be a witness on your campus, in your workplace? What does it mean for you to be a witness? What does it mean for us to trust in a living God who would sacrifice everything, his own life, so that we would know him deeper? There are no accidents, friends. I don't believe that there are accidents, that God has purposely brought you here today, has purposely brought you to this church. And I believe that God is doing good work so that we can be witnesses. It might not be a huge sign that says, I'm Christian, come talk to me, but it could be an act. It could be something, a kindness that you do to someone else, an act of kindness. It could be, it could be a word of encouragement to someone else. It could be just bring someone food when they've lost someone near and dear to them. That is being church. And how do we uh, take those steps to be witnesses? I want to pray, just in closing, just to bless um, you all, but also to consider how you can be a witness. So let me pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word in Scripture that you call us into deeper waters, that you have called Simon Peter, but that same calls for us, that you are calling us into the challenges, but they're invitations because you're a good, gentle God, but you also are authoritative and powerful. And I pray, God, that as we reflect just on your invitation, would you open our ears, open our hearts, bring up our sensitivity to your Holy Spirit, that we would know where you call us to, and that we would know the caller that is you, Christ Jesus, in the places we have been put in. Be with us, Lord, when we feel awkward, when we feel afraid, when we feel like the shallow water feels better. Remind us the urgency and expectancy of you, that we would be witnesses. pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. We're going to continue worshiping. In fact, as we come to a time of communion,
It is one way that we are witnesses. As we take the elements, we are proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes again. So uh, even as we take these elements, we are witnessing to one another uh, that we have this common union, not just with one another, 